Welcome to the Exponential Growth Podcast, where we demystify what it takes to break into tech. I'm your host, James Hudnall, and my goal is to highlight real-life examples of people with non-traditional backgrounds moving into careers they love, so you can too. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined by Luke. Luke, I see some amazing content you're putting out, but I don't know a lot about you, and I'm excited to learn more. Why don't you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, James, happy to be talking to you, man. Yeah, I'm Luke. I'm in software, software engineer. I've uh, been doing software since 2016. That's when I got into it. Was in the army before that. Uh, had gone to college, four-year degree for engineering, construction management, really. And then was an engineer officer. Got out after four years, tried to figure out what I was going to do in the civilian world. Didn't really know what I was going to do. Got a job as a general manager for a transportation company that did not go well. Uh, and I got fired after nine months. Um, I was trying real hard, but it, it just wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. doing a very good job. And met a guy at a career fair for veterans who was training veterans in software. And it was kind of a unique program in several ways, but that's how I got into software. That's a 30,000 foot view now. I want to, I want to zoom in and maybe, I guess, jumping to the end, you made it, man. You're a software engineer. And when you were growing up, you know, were you into tech at all? Did you ever think that this might be uh, an avenue that you would pursue? No, it never came on my radar at all. Like okay. software, I just figured you had to be a genius and, you know, be into tech and all the things in order yeah. to get into it. And when I met that guy at the career fair, it was kind of one of those things where you're just like, where can I apply? Where can I apply? Right. And, you know, nobody was talking to him. So I went and talked to him and he was like, well, you know, here's this program. And then I actually started paying attention. I was like, wow, that sounds cool. So it was kind of my plan B. I wanted to get into construction and do okay. like, you know, ideal role would have been like um, construction manager, that sort of thing. Okay. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, I'll keep looking for that kind of job while I do this training and it'll be my plan B. And right. as I started doing the training, I was like, you know, I, I find this interesting and doable. And, yeah. you know, I find myself wanting to do the next thing after I, you know, finish the thing I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe I could do it. And that's when it became my plan A. Cool. Yeah. And maybe before we dive into the the software engineering itself, growing up, what did you want to do? Like maybe, maybe high school, something like that. I actually didn't realize in talking with you back and forth that you had served time in the army and thank you for your service. You're the third army guy in a row that I've talked to and I'm thrilled in oh, that regard so far. Great. Everybody's got, you know, an awesome path and the army seems like a great segue and transition. It seems like there's so many transferable skills and I definitely want to talk about that. I guess I'm curious about that transition from school into, it sounds like the army. How did that happen? Yeah. So my parents put me in this thing called young Marines when I was like nine years old and it was a lot like uh, the boy scouts. And so okay. I was in that from age nine to age 18. Okay. And so all the instructors for the program were uh, either retired or uh, reserve Marines. And so I just kind of grew up around them, even though nobody in my family was in the military. Um, and it just put that interest in my mind. And so for career aspirations, I thought I was probably going to be a lifer in the okay. army. But then I met my wife and she was not interested in following yeah. me around. And yeah. What, is, what does that require? I mean, you have to move every, was it like four years or something like that? Yeah, it, it depends on, you know, needs of the army and like open spots and that sort of thing. So they, but they do move you every three okay. or four years. It's kind of the norm. Okay. And looking at your timeline, you actually, I guess I jumped the gun there. It looks like you got, uh, I think your bachelor's prior to the army, your time in the army. Is that right? 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So to become an officer in the army, you can go a couple routes. You can go ROTC, which is what I did. So you're in like the ROTC program while you're in school. Um, or you can do OCS, which is you have a degree, but you weren't affiliated with the army throughout that time. And then you just want to go be an officer, um, or there's West point. Okay. And there's a fourth way, but it's very rare. Okay. And I don't think you had mentioned it. If so, I apologize. What made you choose the construction engineering management degree when you made that decision, I guess, going from high school into college? Yeah. Uh, in high school, I'd worked construction um, okay. for a couple summers and really liked it, uh, mostly because of the people I was working with, but also just like the, you know, physical aspect of it, like yeah. you know, uh, kept my brain busy, not because it was challenging, but just because of the physical side of it. Um, and so... Yeah, that kind of put the idea for construction management in my okay. mind. And I saw construction management and the engineering branch in the Army as being like a, a nice like uh, combination of those two interests. And so that, yeah, it, and it was kind of. No, that's cool. I did construction as well when I was, I guess when I was in high school, probably freshman, sophomore year over the summer. And I don't know, Luke, I guess my head wasn't in it as much. I was doing it because I thought I had to at the time. I wasn't, I, I guess the general contractor was sharing like blueprints with me and showing me the way to do things. But at the same time, I feel like I was just going through the motions there. So I wasn't into it enough to to probably really enjoy it and to extract the value that you probably did. It's kind of cool that you pursued that and compared with the fact that now you probably sit in your office for the most of the day developing code. So it's kind of interesting right. how, how we got there. Yeah. It's not a very physical uh, job. No, it's not. <laughs> Your time in the army when you when you started there, I think I saw you were there for maybe three or four years, 2012, 2015, something like that. I mm -hmm. imagine there were a lot of principles that translate to what you're doing today and that kind of help shape the person that you are. Do any of them stand out? Yeah, like working with people. So man, I loved working with other people in the army and just like a lot of great people go in the army, you know, some not great, but Mostly, I, I really love the people. Yeah. Um, and so that that gave me a sense for like, how do you accomplish something with people um, via collaboration? Um, and so I think that's made me a, a good, like I fit into teams well, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think my employers, the feedback I've gotten throughout my software journey to date has been very good on, on that side. Like uh, people like how I fit into the team. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, oh man, there's another one that <laughs> now I can't remember. Um, but yeah, there, there were some transferable skills there for sure. I think you'd mentioned that you could have seen yourself being a lifer there and you met your wife and then I guess you wanted to not have to keep uprooting you and potentially your future family as well. So how was that transition getting out of the military and to your point earlier, like becoming the civilian and trying to fit into that? Yeah, it, it was rough. Like the army tries to help you with transition right um, and they have programs but it, it just wasn't like maybe I could have gotten enough out of it to have a smooth transition but I didn't yeah. you know I, I found myself having the same conversation with my wife after I got out of like her saying you're so employable you're so employable like you were so good in the army like how could you not get a job right now like people just need to see your value like yeah. you need to communicate your value yeah. and I was like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. and uh, so different personality types there so it was a, it was a real struggle and it took me three or four months to find that general manager for the transportation company role. And there's my wife, speak of the devil. <laughs> Hello. She's a, maybe not in camera. 
yeah, so it took me a while to find that role. And then, you know, it wasn't great. Uh, yeah. It was really, really stressful. Um, and it lasted nine months and then it ended poorly. But yeah. For the interview process itself, even though that job didn't work out well, what was that process like? Did you learn anything in that interview? So for that general manager position, the company was based out of St. Louis and I'm in Kansas City. So I drove two and a half hours to go interview. And I think they liked my army background because they thought I'd be good at kind of lording it over people and just like ruling with a really tight, like iron grip. And that's not me. <laughs> like I, I like to work with people and yeah. work with people who want to do work. And that, this wasn't really that situation. Um, and so I should have picked up on that. And I don't think I've portrayed myself in a different light than like, I didn't try to lead him on as to, you know, what my background in the military was and who I was as a person. But I think they got the wrong message that I was the right, the right guy for them. And I, I really wanted a job. Um, yeah. So I was desperate, but really it was just about them, like asking about my military experience and me telling them different roles I had, what kind of work I did. Um, and then, yeah. So I'm curious. I, I know you, you jumped to the punchline and said that that job didn't work out very well. And I think you just described why. Do you feel like you learned something there where you were more transparent in, in who you were and how you would operate? Or was that, was that kind of like a one-off where, I, I don't know, they just weren't a good culture fit based on, on your management style? It did inform future interviews, right? Because then I was looking for like cultural fit. Am I going to be able to do the work that they asked me to do? That sort of thing but at a very general level, I, I guess it did make me wary of like accepting roles that yeah. would be a good fit. Zooming out just for a second, LinkedIn. I know you're pretty prolific on LinkedIn. You you do a lot of amazing posts. Was LinkedIn even on your radar at this point in your career? No, no, no. That, okay. that was this later uh, probably four years into software engineering okay. that I started gotcha. posting every yeah. day. Okay. I definitely want to come back to that when we get there. So I think you'd mentioned like nine months. What was it like when you were in this role? Because you mentioned, you know, we, we just started talking, so I don't know you that well, but I feel like I can kind of get a sense for the type of person you are. And based on how you said they expected you to like lord it over everybody, I can see how that would have been tough for you to do. First question is, did you and your, and your wife have to relocate those two and a half hours to make your commute a little bit better? Or were you driving crazy amounts? So, so they had two, they were operating two offices. One was in Kansas City, which okay. was the role I was interviewing for. So like the, the drivers in this case were paid not very well. They were paid like, you know, in some cases, $7 an hour, $7.25, like minimum wage at the time. Okay. And then like the best paid one was probably like $10 an hour. Right. Oh. So these, these were people who knew they didn't have a great job. Right. Um, and so, you know, there, there was some taking advantage of the company that would happen and people who weren't consistent showed up, you know, I mean, like fast food would be right. Like the people calling off at the last minute, not showing up for their shift. It was, it was like that. I would get calls at like, five in the morning and our schedule would start at like six, right? The first pickup and, you know, two people called out. Well, then mm -hmm. now the person in the office has to shift all those people that were riding with that driver to other people. So I was driving a lot and then also having to do the office work. And it just, it was high stress. There was a lot of drama with the staff not wanting to do the things the employer wanted to do, the employer being mad at me that they were doing it. And then me not enforcing the rules the way they wanted me to. That was kind of the situation. And I, you know, I would work 
10, 12, there were some 14 hour days in there, but just at the end of the day, like I wasn't doing what they wanted me to do. And also we were getting the work done, but just barely yeah, <laughs> and the yeah. customer satisfaction wasn't real high. So I was failing on a couple of levels. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And I, the, the last job I was in prior to what I'm doing now, I too, I don't know if I ever hated my job, but I, I, to your point, I got those same like 5 a.m. calls. It was in regards to boats instead of like vehicles and drivers and whatnot, but similar concept. And a lot of people, Luke, you know, they'll put up with a lot and they'll just go through the motions and they'll just complain instead of actually doing something. But sounds like you actually did something. So what was that like? Like at what point did it reach a boiling point and how did you, I guess, execute leaving that company? Yeah. So you're giving me more credit than <laughs> I deserve because I was fired. I didn't quit. Okay. The, when they came in to fire me, the the owner of the company said, all right, we're letting you go today. You can either uh, resign or I can fire you. And I said, well, I'm not quitting. You can fire me. <laughs> and wow. so I was very fired. <laughs> and, you know, that just was them making a good decision for themselves that yeah. like, Luke is not the right guy to do this yeah. work. And yeah. so that's how I left that company. Yeah. So I guess I would imagine you had kind of bittersweet feelings where you don't have to put up with that stuff every day, but still maybe you're scrambling. Like, what am I going to do next? Right. Right. No, it was, it was very mixed emotions because I did hate it. I hated yeah. it with the passion. Uh, and you know, it was killing me. I was yeah. dying slowly. Yeah. Um, but you know, I needed to get out of it. And so it was, it was very painful. It was demoralizing, yeah. like shot to your confidence. There was some resentment there that like, I worked so hard for you. How could you fire me? All these feelings. And, you know, I didn't stop being resentful about that till yeah. a couple of years ago, probably. Yeah. yeah I don't blame you. And it, they didn't give you two weeks. It was just like, you're gone today. But I guess based on you describing the company, maybe it's not that surprising with the culture as you yeah. described yeah. it. Okay. So, so what now you, you're, you don't have a job, you got fired, which that's, you've got such a good attitude and I guess it's easy to have a good attitude given where you are now, but it is so, so it good is. that you, yeah, that, that you have that attitude. Did you have even close to this kind of attitude at the time in the moment? No, no, no. no. I was, okay. you know, um, I was very bitter, very upset. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I look back on it today as like, well, I'm glad I had that experience. Right. I don't yeah. regret anything about it. And so there were two owners, the one I interacted with every day and a second one that I only talked to maybe three times. Okay. And when I got home after being fired, I called the second one and said like, Hey, he just fired me. Did you know he was going to fire me? And, uh, the second guy said like, yeah, like, it's not a good fit. I knew, we're business <laughs> partners. I knew of course, and you're young and you're going to have a great life. And he was right. Like I was very, I was 25 at the time, I think. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I've made other things happen. Life yeah. goes on and it's, you know, it was a momentary thing. Life yeah. is good. So what happens next? So I spent a couple months applying to things, looking for work. I started as a construction laborer again okay. uh, through a temp agency. Um, so just part-time work and went to that veteran career fair, found the guy who was training veterans and software. And, and that's how I got started. And yeah. Okay. At this point, did you have like a five or a 10 year plan where you kind of saw yourself or you exploring interest? Yeah, I think the construction dream came back live. Like, okay, I want to get into construction. And that's probably why I picked the, you know, construction labor as the part-time work I was doing. 
but no, I, I think it was more in panic mode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the software was the fallback. And software, then, all right. Yeah. And gotcha. then looking for like uh, a legit construction right. job was the, the primary. Okay. So yeah. When, when did software engineering as an option, like when did that enter your mind in this evolution? So this guy, um, his curriculum was mostly free code camp, right? Okay. So he just kind of curated free resources and it was like probably 90% free code camp. Okay. And so I started working through it and I was probably, you know, I, I don't know, a hundred hours into the 500 hour course when mm-hmm. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do now. Nice. So it clicked. Yeah. It, it almost sounds like a boot camp, but like a much smaller version. Did you have to pay for it? Or was it just like a, a curriculum this gentleman, I guess, provides to different veterans? Right. Uh, so it was, it was a very strange program. Um, at, at, yeah. So he was actually paying people to go through the course. So I didn't pay for it. Interesting. Um, and it wasn't, he wasn't paying much. It was like five levels. Um, the first level was like 20 hours, so like an introduction, right? And you finished it and you got like 150 bucks or something. I've never then, heard of so, that. What was the, like, what was the incentive there? Was he like testing curriculum that he's eventually going to maybe monetize? His monetization plan was based on a recruiter model. So he was oh, going right. to make money when you got a job. Gotcha. Right? And he, and so the company, unfortunately, because it's an awesome program, yeah. um, it no longer exists. So yeah. it was called Canon. Interesting. I've never Spelled heard of, of students getting paid to learn the curriculum. And then I can, yeah. I can see the potential incentive on the back end. but yeah, it's a shame that didn't work out. What was, was it, there any kind of like a filtering mechanism at the beginning? Like, was there like a baseline proficiency that you had to show? Um, no, it was, um, very hands-off. Right. So it was, which was great for him because it's yeah. like, okay, I do this work to set up this curriculum and then just let people go. So it's self-paced, self-talk. And so he was very uninvolved and didn't have to have a whole lot of overhead. Um, And then he had, um, you know, people at the end of the uh, cycle, the the process, who would then try to line up interviews, right? Right. So really, you just had to make it through the program and then they would feed you interviews, which was the other very odd part about the program, right? So you get you're paid right. and then you don't have to find interviews. Like that's right. a very, that's it's like way <laughs> too good to be true. That's a shame right. that didn't, that, 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 there's gotta be some kind of business model there, Luke. Cause that, that, that's almost like too good to be true. That, that's interesting. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is that, you know, when I finished like a year later, it closed. Right. So like 2017 and I went back and asked them like, you know, it closed because you guys weren't making money. Right. Like there's no way you could have been making money paying people to go through the program and then you know feeding them interviews like that's a lot of work to line up interviews uh and he said they actually were making money and it had to close for legal reasons did he go into any more detail i'm I'm on the edge of my seat yeah he did but i i feel like no 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 fair enough fair enough (laughs) interesting all right all right back to your story so you you had mentioned you were like 100 hours out of the 500 did you actually you got through the entire 500 hour or whatever curriculum it was eventually. Is that right? You know, what's also funny is I did probably about 650 hours, but never finished. Okay. Like I, I couldn't finish. Like okay. the uh, final project was like a full stack project. And I just, I couldn't get myself to that level on my own. Okay. 
in 650 hours anyway, like maybe okay. in like a thousand, I would have gotten okay. there. But okay. I, I was learning at a pace that just at 500 hours, I wasn't able to do that. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that they started putting me in interviews, even though I wasn't done with the program officially. Yep. Uh, Cause that final project was, that's when I would have been done. Yep. Um, and so I did five or six interviews and all of the interviewers passed because you know, he doesn't know enough, which, right. you know, makes sense. Um, and then the uh, final interview I did, like the last one I had to do because I got the job was with a small startup in Kansas City that was um, a Drupal shop. So uh, kind of like WordPress, but Drupal. So um, and I didn't know any PHP, which is what Drupal's built on, but I knew some HTML, CSS, JavaScript, uh, and that was pretty much it. And, you know, the, when I went into the company, I was like, man, I can just feel it. Like, I like this place, yeah. uh, which is something I hadn't felt, you know, before, but I just had a really good vibe about uh -huh. that company. And so, you know, the interview included a technical screen, um, where I showed them, one or two of my projects, which weren't real impressive. Um, they gave me a couple code tests, like a fizz buzz, and then a, um, like, this is broken, fix it. Um, made it through the fizz buzz, did not make it through the, the broken, fix it challenge. Um, and I don't think that they were planning on giving me an offer. Um, you know, I, I just, they knew I wasn't at the level that I could start making them money in yeah. a reasonable amount of time. Um, but at the end of the interview, I said like, this is it, this is the company I want to work for. Uh, so if you guys make an offer, I'll accept it. And, you know, I saw the owner and the, uh, tech lead look at each other and just shrug and, uh, like, okay. Go for it. <laughs> and so, um, I got an offer for $8 an hour for an internship okay. and the Canon, the program I was with um, negotiated me up to $10 an hour. Nice. And then so I was an intern and that's how I get my foot on the door. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like much. And a lot of people would say, Oh, Luke, you should have negotiated or whatever like that. And I I'm torn with that because I've always been of the mindset where you can negotiate. And I, I get that perspective, but at the same time, when you're executing like a career transition, I feel like it's so paramount to get that first position, especially when you don't know a whole lot. Like I still don't think I know a whole lot, but getting that experience, you know, I feel like if you're not being taken care of, once you actually have the skills that you need to, to your point, to help make these companies money, you're going to be able to write your own ticket to an extent. So yeah, right. I, I think again, $8 an hour doesn't sound like a lot. It's cool that the, this too good to be true program they negotiated even better on your behalf. They got you up to 10 and you, you were actually in the industry. Now you're a real live software engineer, even if it was an internship. Yeah, man. No. And that whole experience left me feeling very much like I, I caught a break, right? I probably never would have gotten into software if somebody hadn't done that, right. Yeah. Where they, you know, just give you a chance. Right. Um, and it, I was not going to be able to display the level of competence that would get me a job in software. So it yeah. took someone saying, okay, I'll give you a chance. Yeah. Like that's why I got in. And so yeah. that I tell people all the time when I talk to people trying to get into software, like I know it's not a popular opinion, but I say, take whatever you can get to get your yeah. foot in the door. 
because yeah. it changes the landscape. You're a different candidate after that first year in That's that right. first job, right? That's right. Um, and so, you know, people talk about like, well, you know, you got to respect yourself and, you know, not let people take advantage of you and all these things. And, you know, I think there's some value to that. And I think it's true. But at the same time, it doesn't change my mind. Yeah. I, I tell people, take whatever you can get. To, yeah. If it's paying you to code, take it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, we're aligned in that regard. Did you feel like you had made it at that point or like, what was your mind like? Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that this was it, right? Like that Eminem song, like you got one shot. I was like, <laughs> man, I got to make this work. And so I, I was very diligent. Like okay. my, my, my focus was hundred percent there. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I worked real hard. Yeah. Um, I'm not like long hours, um, yeah because I was hourly and, you know, overtime and that sort of thing. So I, I just worked 40 hours a week, but when I was there, I was like on it. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I, I learned pretty quickly. Um, I don't think faster than, you know, your average person. Um, but yeah, that I was eager to make it work for sure. Yeah. How long were you in this role? Four and a half months. And then I got laid off. <laughs> I laid off again. Okay. Yeah, what, yeah. what was that like? What was the the reasoning and what happened next? I was an intern for three months and then they converted me to a full-time employee. Um, you know, the, the pay wasn't real great. Um, but you know, I was in love with the company and you know, I, I loved the work I was doing. So I was fine with being a little undercompensated and they were like, it was one of those conversations where like, well, this is the offer, but you know, we're going to try to get you at a higher, you know, level quickly because you're getting close to a place where you're netting positive for us, right? Okay. Where you're making us money. Um, so uh, I converted at three months and then a month and a half later, they had cash flow issues and they had to lay off like six people out of like a 20 person company or something. Um, life. And yeah. So, you know, me being the new guy and also the least experienced software engineer it made or dev uh it made a lot of sense for for me to yeah. go and you know it was it was painful um you know it hurt a lot but it, it was a different experience from getting fired yeah 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 <laughs> by a lot um and you know i kind of thought like uh, I, my mind was split between like is this the end of my trying to get into software or will i be able to find something else i was kind of like i don't know which yeah. it is um and so I, I kind of landed on, I think it's over. Like, I'm not going to get really? into software um, just because it had been so hard to find that, that role. Right. Um, and so I got a couple of part-time jobs uh, that if you stitched them together, they kind of sort of paid the bills. Um, but I kept going to a, a Drupal meetup here in Kansas city. Um, and, you know, I'd, I don't know why I kept going. If I thought my software journey was over, I think it was just like part of me was like, maybe, maybe it could happen someday. Yeah. Um, so I kept going to it. Um, and it turned out that uh, the company that was hosting it was actually hiring people out of the meetup. And so I went a couple of times and then they were like, you know, would you like to interview? And I said, no, I don't think I know enough. <laughs> like, wow. I don't understand anything these people are saying, like maybe yeah. 10%. And so I said, no. Um, and then the next meetup, they said the same thing. And I was like, all right, let, I'll, I'll try. And so that turned into my second software engineer job. And then it's, it's been like easy, good since then. Ever since. Yeah, no, that's amazing, man. And so, so talking about the meetups, 
Yeah. So I'd been going for a couple, probably a couple months. Uh, okay. And I think okay. it's like one meetup a month. So I'd, I'd probably been to, you know, two or three. Um, and then I got laid off and, oh, it, it, probably another reason that turned into an offer to interview was because one of the guys who he wasn't actually laid off. He just quit because he was upset. Um, so he quit when the layoffs happened and went to this company. Right. Okay. So I, I knew him. He okay. knew me. I was in beat up. And so that's probably why I okay. got the offer. Oh, that's good. Yeah. They told me like, yeah, Carson said you're a good yeah, dude. So, yeah. And so like the, the format of these meetups, was it like somebody or maybe like a primary presentation where people could kind of ask questions or was there a general format? Yeah, it was you like a presenter and then yeah. there would be a lot of like questions asked and discussion, okay. but yeah, it was um, like an hour long and it was centered around somebody presenting a topic. Okay. And I'm curious to, to zoom out just for a minute. Do you currently present day? Do you do attend any meetups virtual or otherwise? I don't. You don't. Okay. Zooming back in. So you say <laughs> it's easy street from here on out for the most part, maybe in, in quotation marks. So you land a role with this company, that interview process, it was a, I guess a warm lead because you knew the, or a guy at the company knew you, maybe knew of your body of work because you guys worked at the, the same company before. What was that interview process like? Another technical interview? Do you feel like you did better? Did you learn anything from previous ones that helped inform this one? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think after that first job, I ever got a job where I had to do a technical interview. Really? I just, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, so there was an interview and there were technical questions asked, but no code screen or coding, right, right, no right. whiteboard stuff. Okay. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't think I've had a job since then where I had to do whiteboard yeah. or code screen or anything like that. Yeah. Although I've done a, a lot of code screens, yeah. you know, to try to get a job, but um, didn't have yeah. to for the actual it, it's actual interesting one. like all of the jobs i've had the interview process has been like maybe one interview i, yeah. I don't think i've had two interviews and it's like one interview and it's just a conversation and yeah yeah no it's funny you say that like the the program i'm in at linkedin the apprenticeship program that i'm in it was a i guess a total of four hours but to your point it was technical insofar as you know, we had a take home coding assignment and we basically walked through the code that was two and a half hours. And I mean, that went just like that. It was super quick and there were questions asked, but to your point, there was no like leak code style, put you on the spot question like that. There was, I think they had asked about a couple of design decisions and we went back and forth to an extent, but long story short, just like you, you know, I guess I've only had the, the one software engineering job, but it's funny because there was no technical component of that. And I, all the time people ask me on LinkedIn, you know, what did you do? How did you prepare for, you know, did you do leak code? Did you do, you know, what did you do to get ready for that? And I told them, I said, I had planned to spend like hundreds of hours doing the leak code grind. I was almost looking forward to that as much as anyone can, but it turns out I didn't have to do that for better, or for worse. That may come back and bite me, you know, not fully, you know, understanding the data structures and algorithms that I definitely want to at some point, but yeah, I uh, I haven't had to do that dance either. Yeah, it's just different companies do things differently, yeah. and yeah. I I don't know if it's like a universe like cultural thing. Like I just fit in with those people who don't yeah. like to code screens. Yeah, I don't know. If it is, but well, yeah. you think about it. Like I I know for me, 
in the, I've been at LinkedIn just a little bit over a year now, and I have never been put on the spot like, hey, figure out how to do this problem right here on the spot in real time in five minutes, kind of like you would in like a, a technical screening. You know, you've got time to to use Google, Stack Overflow, Chat GPT, whatever your flow is, you've got ways to work it out and to find, you know, to solve the, the problem at hand. And I'm curious, do you, do you kind of find the same or have you ever been put on the spot like that? Yeah, so... um the second time I was laid off, um, I was probably like four ish years into software and, you know, got laid off, but it was a very different experience. I got like three weeks of severance and it okay. was, and I actually was not really enjoying that job very much, okay. but don't tell anybody that. Super um, safe with me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so where was I going with that? Oh, so I had to do interviews. Right. And yeah. so, um, I did a lot of interviews um, to find the role I'm in currently. And I did have to do quite a few code screens. I probably did like a dozen. Um, some were like, they, they send you a link and you do it on your own. And yeah. then some were, um, you know, you're, you're on a call and you're coding and they can see what you're doing. And uh, yeah, not a fan. Didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. But, you know, I think I did all right in yeah. some of them. Um, and some, I, you know, had those brain farts, which make you look like an idiot. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely had that experience, but yeah, I, and maybe it's just not testing well, you know, like people yeah. say like, I don't test well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think, I think maybe one of those companies I did a code screen with was like, okay, we're going to the next level. If, you know, let's go to the next level, next interview. Um, but I think I was probably screened out of most of those code screens I did. Um, and that's at like four and a half years experience. Right. Right. Uh, right. So yeah. yeah that's what I, I appreciated LinkedIn's approach where it was actually, it was essay initially it was essay based as like the initial screen for the program. And it wasn't, you know, completely qualitative. There were technical components where they wanted you to link, you know, GitHub code projects that you'd done and explain design decisions that you had done. But, you know, it was refreshing because, and, and I see it in just over the year that I've been here, so much in the industry is, and working with your team is being able to communicate, whether that be, you know, over Slack, over, you know, Zoom, something like that, or if you're in person, being able to communicate and not only communicate with your team, but like other teams that may or may not be at, at your company, depending on how big they are. So that's what I found so refreshing. And I feel like, I don't know, it's, I guess... You know, companies have different reasons for screening the way they do. I, I just find it refreshing that even a, a company that's as big as LinkedIn takes that holistic approach, at least with the apprenticeship program, to to let people, you know, use their communication skills to convey what they think they know. And then they do back that up if you pass that screen by doing the technical take home. So I found it refreshing. And, and to your point, you know, I don't feel like I test that well either. I don't feel like anybody does great under the gun, you know, figuring things out like that. But again, I don't feel like that's necessarily indicative of how good or bad someone may be as a programmer. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, kind of, I won't go into why, but I was researching um, code screen, like software, uh, like in the marketplace, what's available recently, like last week. And, uh, you know, there's some companies making some buku dollars on mm. like, we wrote this software that will screen your candidates and mm. it's, you know, um, been validated and built by, you know, some very bright minds. And so it's going to be able to tell, 
um, you know, if people know how to code, like, I feel like there's a lot of money to be made yeah. in the marketplace for somebody who can figure out how to assess yeah. ability, right. When it yeah. comes to coding yeah. and like code screens are like the best thing we've been able to come up with as an industry right. to date. Um, and yeah, I feel like if we could figure out a way to accessibility without a code screen, that right. person would make a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. Now, when did LinkedIn come into play? Because you, again, I mentioned earlier, you're pretty prolific. You got a bunch of followers. You put out great content. I think you'd mentioned you were like four years into the software engineering journey. So when when and how did you start, I guess, when did you join LinkedIn? Would you start using it like that? Yeah, I was at a company like, so the, the reason I'm on LinkedIn is, uh, you know, we talked about this briefly before we got started recording, but like, I have a great desire like I feel this need in me to like help other people get into software because other people help me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just feel so blessed and like fortunate to be where I'm at. Like yeah. it's my dream job. Yeah. Um, so I've always had that with me since getting into software, right. The, the desire to give back. And so um, the company, I was with the company and they had this program where they were like, we want our employees to be posting regularly on LinkedIn so that it will drive traffic to our LinkedIn posts, uh, our LinkedIn page. And, um, you know, we want to be seen as having industry experts work here. And so they were like, if you post every day for a month, uh, then we'll pay you 250 bucks. Wow. And that's, you know, not a lot of money, yeah. uh, but I already wanted to do something and I already kind of was a lurker as <laughs> Yeah. As one person put it on LinkedIn, like I would look at it every day, yeah. but I wouldn't post. Right. Um, and so I was like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. And I, it became my, you know, channel for scratching the itch to help people get into yeah. software. Right. And so um, after, you know, a month, I just kept on going. And so yeah. I, I post every day. Yeah. Uh, oh, every yeah. Monday through Friday, every day. Yeah. Do you plan those in advance? Do you take, I guess, take advantage of like the schedule posting, anything like that? Or do you just like stream of conscious what's on your mind? You, you talk about it. Yeah. It's sometimes I have to sit in front of LinkedIn for a second to, to come up with the idea for a post. Uh, sometimes I scrolling through LinkedIn, I'll see a post that I'll read and I find interesting. And that gives yeah. me an idea for a post. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like a shower thoughts kind of thing where I'm yeah. like, Oh yeah, that's a good, that's a good thought. I should yeah. share that, make that yeah. a LinkedIn post. That was genuine. Uh, yeah, well, um, and so, yeah, it, I don't plan it. I don't schedule it. Um, you know, I, I try not to let it take too much time, like, yeah. you know, 30 minutes, you know, try to keep it to that. But right. And so I think I also saw that you did, I think it was on YouTube. You did like a 10 part series, maybe where you were interviewing people that had also just gotten into the industry. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, in trying to help people get into software. I have a lot of conversations like with people who are trying to get into software. And I was a mentor for a second um, at a boot camp, And uh, so I, I kind of ha have this sense that it's real hard to get into software right now, like your first job. Right. Um, and, you know, so that's what I see in the marketplace. And that's very, you know, confirmed to me by things I see on LinkedIn, like the big tech layoffs last year. And then the conversations I have with people. Yeah. Um, and so the reason I wanted to do that project is because like, this is a big problem. Like 
the software market is kind of closed up right now. It's, yeah. it's hard to get a junior level role. And you got all these people, a whole heap of them who have graduated boot camps or taught themselves how to code for months and, you know, a year plus, and now they can't get into software. Yeah. And I've been in that situation. And so I, you know, feel a lot of feelings for, for that group of people. Um, and so I was like, well, can people still get a job in software in this market? And so, you know, my, I knew the answer was like, yeah, people are still getting jobs in software. It's just really tough. Yeah. And so I went out and found 10 people who got a job in software after big tech layoffs had, you know, were well underway last year and just found those 10 people and, you know, did a 30 minute thing where yeah. we got on a zoom and i recorded it and then i threw it on the youtubes yeah no editing by the way i didn't edit yeah. a single video uh nice. haven't edited a video ever and have no intention to yeah no again genuine i try to keep the editing here to uh to an absolute minimum as well but that's that's Amazing. so cool man with the, the 10 people that you interviewed were there any commonalities amongst them if you were to try to extract I don't want to boil it down to that because I know every journey is unique, but were there any things that you saw, I guess, trend wise that might help a broader audience? Um, yeah, I, I think before that uh, project, I was very much on the boat of like network to get a job in link, uh, you know, network on LinkedIn and go to meetups network to get your job in software. And I know that works. I've met people who have done that. Um, but I, after doing those interviews, like I want to say nine out of 10, no, it was, yeah, it's probably like six or seven, at least the majority, um, got those jobs via cold apply. Right. And so it has changed my opinion on should people be cold applying in order to get into software right now. Um, and so I, I do think cold apply is something that, um, was, kind of a standout like commonality among those people. And when you say cold apply, is that a LinkedIn, like one click easy apply? Is it maybe that plus just like submitting to company websites? Mix of both? I, I think, um, yeah. So everybody I talked to was doing some of all of that, like the yeah. easy apply and the targeted, like I'm going to do a little more effort on this application. Right. right. Um, and I, I think if you were to limit it just to the LinkedIn easy apply, I think maybe one or two jobs um, okay. out of 10 were the easy apply. And then um, of those remaining five or six who were also cold applies, it was yeah. through like either Indeed or a, okay. uh, LinkedIn, but it wasn't an easy apply yeah. or a company website. Yeah. I've got a funny story. My, my very first interview ever, uh, technical interview was through a LinkedIn easy apply, obviously well before I even thought about trying to work at LinkedIn. And I think, you know, cause they show you how many people have already applied. And I think I saw it was like 200 plus And I was like, I'm just going to go for it anyway. It was a, I think it was like an ML super early stage startup and jumping to the punchline. I, I already told you what happened where I actually got through and it was so funny, Luke, because it was my first technical interview. You know, you, you hear stories, horror stories. You don't know what to expect. But it was funny because I feel like it was also the person that interviewed me. It was also their first interview or time interviewing. So we were equally awkward. Yeah, it was kind of that exchange. And again, it, it never got technical. It was more, I guess we had, if you want to call that a behavioral introduction, introductory interview with the, the CEO at the very early stage startup. So that went as well as it could have. And then we advanced to the 
I guess, quote unquote, technical interview where it was him and I think his co-founder. And, you know, we, we talked very, very broad, you know, he had asked me about like the ML project that I had done through Udacity. And I was probably too honest. Sometimes I'm guilty of that, but I still err on the side of being completely transparent and honest because I don't like pretending. I feel like, you know, it's a two-way street. I want you to know what you're getting. And I also, you know, I don't want to hide that because it's going to come out either way. So I answered the questions and I talked about the project, but I was like, yeah, but you know, I haven't done that in a while. And I'm sure those skills have started to atrophy, but I'm sure I could pick them back up. That's probably, that? I said that and, <laughs> you know, so, surprising or not, I did not land that role. And that was also kind of interesting where the, the communication just kind of died off, but I was happy doing it because I didn't see myself, you know, going there anyway, but it was still a good experience. So all of that to say the LinkedIn easy applies, they do work even if hundreds of people have been before you. That was a different job market. And I readily admit, like I got in, in a totally different job market, which has done a 180. And that's what I like so much about that series that you did. It's because those people that you interviewed, like they got the job in the current environment. And I think that was so cool. Yeah, no, I, I love doing it. It was really fun. And uh, you and I are very similar in that. I don't yeah. like to oversell myself. I like, yeah. once you know, like what my weaknesses are. Like, That's right. Yeah, I can turn it to strength and turn it into a weakness. That's right. You know, because um, I just don't want you to think, and maybe this is a result of that uh, experience I had with the getting fired. Um, I, I, it might have predated that actually. But yeah, it, I think that is definitely a problem that you and I types have. Yeah. And it, it probably helps us uh, torpedo opportunities. At yeah, times. well, you know what? It, it, it works to an extent because we're both currently employed. We're both in the industry and we're both extremely yeah. grateful. And yeah, you know, yeah. you don't, I, I think the one thing or one of the things that I've learned is you don't have to to do it the way that other people say that you have to do it, you know, kind of chart. You, you can take that as a with a grain of salt, rather, just like these conversations we're having, just like we were talking about. The whole purpose, if there was a purpose behind these, is to give people different potential blueprints into tech. But it's not meant to be prescriptive. It's not meant to be, okay, Luke did this. He, he got laid off here. So it's okay if I do it that way and like this. It's, you know, you can glean the best bits and pieces. Maybe someone else out there is completely genuine and transparent like that. And maybe they didn't think that was okay, but they, they hear that we are and they see where we are. So, so that's okay. So all of that to say, you know, be yourself and take in information, but don't, you know, don't think you have to do it the way that other people say you have to do it. Yeah. Amen. Well, amen. No, I, uh, I know we're coming up on our time, but before you get out of here, I would love to uh, throw you on the hot seat, ask you a few rapid fire questions so we could better understand Luke. You up for that? Let's do it. All right. What does your typical morning routine look like? Ooh, can I pass? You can. You'll be the first one ever. Would you like to pass? Yeah, I'll pass. All right. You pass. No morning routine. All right. If money uh, didn't exist, what do you think you would do every day with your time? Uh, you can probably, only pass on one of these. So yeah, okay. mind, All right. fair enough. Um, my connection might just drop abruptly <laughs> if I run into another question. <laughs> um yeah, I, I think I'd be helping people get into software full time. It, it's something I really care a lot about and also something that I enjoy doing, you know, get some personal satisfaction out of it. So, yeah. If you could send a single message to your former self to help you during this transition into tech, what do you think that message would be? Um, probably get sober. So I'm an alcoholic. And so I got sober four years ago. Um, so I was able to get into software, um, you know, while I was drinking. Um, 
but you know, any message I could send younger Luke, like it would be yeah. get stop drinking <laughs> earlier. Yeah. Um, because it's been such a, you know, I, I was able to start living life once I stopped yeah. drinking. So yeah, well, good for you, man. Are there any books or podcasts that have had a big impact on you, either technical or otherwise? I can't think of a technical one. Um, it, there are lots of books that have had an impact. Um, like recently talking to, well, not recently, a couple of years ago, Talking to Strangers. Hmm. I can't remember what his name is, who wrote it, but he also did like the um, 10,000 Hours. I think it's the same guy. Is that is that that's not Malcolm Gladwell? I don't think I know that's what you're it. talking about. I, is I think it, that's is it him. Yeah, I okay. think it is. I was gonna okay. say Seth Godin, but that's a totally different guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. anyway, um, but that that was a super powerful book and I loved it. Um 1776 about the founding of the United States of America mm. was a great book, read it a couple of times. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Luke, that we didn't nothing's coming to mind, but I feel like that's a weak way to end it. So Maybe I should make something up, but nothing's coming to mind. So no. Okay. No, fair enough, man. Well, if people want to learn more about you, I mean, where can they go? We, we know that we can send them to your LinkedIn, anywhere else. Yeah. LinkedIn. That's okay. it. That's where I'm at. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and telling about your journey into tech. And I would definitely love to have you back on in the future and touch base and see how things have, have evolved. Yeah. Thanks for what you're doing, James. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's show, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple or Spotify. It's a free way you can support the show and help other people just like you find the story and others like it. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. And most importantly, if you know someone that might be interested in breaking into tech, tell them about the show.